Have you seen the video of the Alaska Airlines plane that lost a section of its paneling, leaving a big hole in its fuselage while it was still in the air? Well, with Boeing's 736 MAX 9 planes now grounded, airlines say they're finding even more loose parts on planes. Here to discuss that incident, recent flight cancellations, and whether United Airlines may leave Chicago is Joe Schwederman, director of DePaul University's Chaddock Institute for Metropolitan Development. Welcome back to Reset, Joe. Great to be here. Also with us, John Pletz, senior reporter covering aviation for Crane Chicago Business. Hi, John. Morning. Joe, hundreds of flights were canceled this week. This was due to the grounding of the, the 737 MAX. Yesterday's wintry weather also caused more problems. I know that you flew into Midway yesterday as well, Joe. So how were things at the airport? You know, it was very stressful for uh, really the whole eastern half of the U.S. because we had a, a one-two punch with snow in Chicago. Then that rather high wind uh, rainstorm coming up the east coast. And and there were visions of sort of the, the meltdown uh, situations of last year. And that really didn't happen. We had... Um, uh, you know, here had the ground stop, uh, all flights canceled, which caused, you know, some, some havoc. But it was short enough that it didn't disrupt the whole day's flights and so forth. So I think we dodged a bullet. My flight was about a half hour late, but uh, mm. I consider myself lucky <laughs> with yeah. all that. Do we know about things at O'Hare? You know, O'Hare uh, had it harder than Midway with more snow out that direction uh, and, you know, just a more complex airfield. Of course, Midway's short runways make bad weather operations difficult too but um the o'hare does have a world-class snow removal system and i think that paid some dividends yesterday now joe for anyone who's dealing with a long flight delay or cancellation because of the weather remind us what are their rights as consumers you know the usdot uh, sets rights that airlines can add to that if they want and the airlines additions are sometimes murky that they're on the internet but they don't have to follow them all the time so it pays to it pays to be a little bit assertive if you see what uh, the airline promises to offer. But the DOT, DOT requires you to, if your flight is canceled, you can get a full refund, or you have to be rebooked on a, a flight you know, at no cost. And um, if your flight is canceled and you're stuck, uh, and it's not due to something called extraordinary circumstances, which, of course, has a lot of loopholes, you know, weather is sort of a subjective thing when mm -hmm. weather is extraordinary or not. They do have to put you up uh, for lodging and pay transfers and meals and so forth. But no no money is given uh, as, a, as a compensation. All right, John, let's, let's talk now about the 737 MAX chaos. Can you explain what exactly happened on that Alaskan Airlines flight? Well, the 737 um, has... Uh, and some cutouts for emergency exit doors. And depending on how many seats you put on a plane, you know, some, air, some airlines don't use them. And so um, they they're literally, they call it a, um, a door plug is put in that, you know, looks like the rest of the fuselage. Uh, and that is what, um, that was what blew out uh, as the aircraft, uh, Friday night Alaska Airlines flight was returning to the airport they had a warning that there was a pressurization issue, and uh, the, that plug, that section of the aircraft, actually came out. Uh, so the FAA uh, grounded the aircraft, and they're still trying to figure out the inspection process. But United had said, United's the, the largest user of this variant of the 737 uh, called the Dash 9. 
and United said just in its own uh, inspections as they were waiting for guidance from the FAA that they found uh, several incidents instances in which the bolts for that plug hadn't been fully tightened. Mm. So that's the issue that uh, that folks are looking at. Well, Jennifer Hamidi, who's the chair of the National Transportation and Safety Board, was on Morning Morning Edition today, and she was talking about the investigation into the blowout with Steve Inskeep. So let's listen to that. The bolts that hold those components in place, uh, we don't know whether those bolts themselves also fractured, were loose, or whether they weren't even installed on the door. And that's something we're going to have to determine when we get that door plug to the lab. What do you make of that, Joe? Well, I do think uh, here Boeing is really rattled by this. I mean, they got the Max back flying and, and confidence is restored, and now there's a whole new uh, saga here that's appear to be related to quality control, which is the exact same thing that caused the MAX to be grounded for so long. So I, I think it's really striking that um, this was due to a, you know outside contractor, perhaps, and Boeing's been really aggressive in, in you know, sort of farming out a lot of its operations. There's been some speculation that that could create more risk like this. So mm-hmm. this is a major uh, concern for Boeing, and my fear is it could lead to grounding of other variants of the MAX, which would be a massive problem, but but no evidence of that so far. Well, Joe, also hearing John's update a moment ago, I mean, wouldn't you expect that planes would not be cleared for takeoff if they had loose parts? Well, it is, you know, what we say in airline uh, travels, you have redundancy. So if one thing goes wrong, there's a contingency and there's warning lights on these uh, uh, doors and so forth. And all that somehow... uh, you know, went by the wayside here, and we had the blowout, which is like nothing I've seen before. I've watched, you know, John and I have watched airline accident information for years, and just have a side of the airplane blast open like this, boy, it's a, it's a terrifying thing. Yeah, and John, so we're clear, the 737 MAX grounding doesn't impact every airline, right? doesn't impact every airline. It doesn't impact every MAX. This is a relatively new version of the 737 MAX. And uh, there, you know, relatively speaking, there aren't all that many of them in service. You know, that's why United has been able, you know, they've had flight cancellations, but they've been able to work around it by using other aircraft in place of this. So it's not every 737. And mm-hmm. in fact, uh, you know, Southwest, which is the largest um, uh, operator of 737s, that's their entire fleet doesn't use uh, this, this particular version of the aircraft, nor yeah. does America. And, and what's the timeline for the FAA's inspection process? Like, any idea when these planes will be Don't cleared? Know. Don't know. They they have not uh, they've not said that. They're still working on it. That's one of the challenges uh, when when you have a problem like this, and you're trying to figure out not only the source of it, how to rectify it, and they you know that takes some time. I'm also curious if it's possible they they just won't get cleared. Seems unlikely. Uh, Joe, the 737 MAX, it's a pretty common and popular airplane, right? Well, very popular. It's Boeing's uh, best-selling model, and, you know, we really uh, uh, see it as, as, as the workhorse of, of many fleets. And, and the uh, you know, since the grounding uh, was lifted of the earlier crisis, so the planes performed really well, and the public's confidence has been restored. And I think for this, the real question is, 
uh, the good thing is investigation can happen with you know with a essentially a, a fully intact airplane except for the part that, that blew out so they can find out pretty quickly what caused this whether it was the the bolts whether it was a stress issue whether it was a, a poor pressurization test before the uh, the plane was cleared and that could be a real easy fix but I think with the airlines are biting their uh, fingernails now because <laughs> we just don't know if it's going to be an easy fix or something that's going to require yeah. you know, a whole new part to be produced, and that, that could take a long time. Well, speaking of biting fingernails, a lot of people we know are already a bit anxious when it comes to flying, right? So what do you think this kind of bad publicity does to air travel? I think there's a lot of trust in, in the FAA. We you know, haven't had a major accident uh, in over uh, a dozen years. And so I think the public really trusts the FAA to uh, play it safe on these things. Of course, these accidents don't help. But uh, I think this won't impair the recovery of the industry. Um, I think for Boeing, though, it's just if airlines are looking what model to buy, should we go with the MAX 9 or should we go with the uh, Airbus A320? Uh, you know, they could, they could lose some sales, and that's there's billions of dollars at stake here. But a lot of uncertainty is how this will play out. Yeah. And, and John, given that the data show that flying is still much safer than driving, I still got to ask, would you feel comfortable flying in a 737 MAX at this point? Yes. It's that aircraft has, um, like Joe said, it's, it's the backbone of the U.S. aviation industry. Uh, you know, they're going to have to figure out what the problem was here. Uh, what was it? Uh, is it a design problem? Is it an assembly problem? Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to work through it mm -hmm. and it's, it's not great for Boeing. It's not great for the traveling public. Um, but you know, at, early on in the, the initial crisis with the max, I, I remember talking to, uh, you know, a couple of airline pilots and, uh, they swore by it mm -hmm. and, you know, they're, they've been flying it for four, they've been flying that aircraft or variations of it for 40 years. Yeah. Well, Joe, as, as people begin making their 2024 travel plans, do you recommend that we look into what kind of plane we'll be on before we book the ticket? I don't think so. I mean, clearly, uh, if you are uh, got plenty of time on your hands and, and, you know, you feel you have some insight that others don't, you know, you certainly, some people may do that. But, but my sense is that... Uh, the FAA is pretty quick to pull planes down yeah. uh, with the slightest bit of concern. Now, I do think one risk you have is if you're flying Alaska, for example, uh, if their ability to meet the schedule may be tough with, you know, 15% of their fleet gone or so forth. And that's, that's going to be difficult because if we have um, other issues, we have labor uh, problems, we don't want to see a rise in those cancellations like we did before. Unfortunately for United, it's a small enough part of their fleet. Mm -hmm. um, but I can tell you the airlines are struggling right now to get as many flights in the air as public wants, just with the uh, Boeing assembly line not being as fast as they would like, still pilot shortages. So yeah. we could see some high airfares out there. Before I let you both go, John, I want to turn to something different uh, for a moment, and that's those pesky rumors about United contemplating moving its headquarters out of Chicago. You know, Governor Pritzker has addressed the rumors as well. So what's he saying? He said that uh, the administration uh, has talked to United both before uh, and after, you know, the latest revelation. And they've told him they're not leaving. They're not, they're not looking to move the headquarters. 
what's United saying about the rumors? United's not saying much. And you know, it's you know uh, they they they've been pretty pretty vague. Yeah. So any thoughts on what sparked the rumor in the first place? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and they anticipated it. Uh, United purchased a little over 100 acres of land uh, near Denver, the Denver airport, and uh, that happened last summer. And when they purchased it, um, you know, ostensibly it's for an expansion of their pilot training center. They're running out of room at the existing facility which is near the old airport in Denver. They had an opportunity to buy some new land, uh, but clearly that site is far larger than what you need for an expansion of a, a pilot training center. Mm-hmm. And so re- recently, uh, so the, you know, the, 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 that that sparked some initial concern, raised some eyebrows when, when that was announced. Very recently, they had to file some paperwork with the city of Denver um, to get going on building that new uh, pilot facility and they had to talk about long-term, what are you going to do with this thing? And they said, and while we're working on the pilot training facility, uh, longer term, we may want to create or develop a corporate campus uh, that can house up to 5,000 employees. And, you know, it didn't, didn't, take a, uh, didn't take much for people to say, oh, wait a minute, isn't that about the same number of people you've got in Chicago? Mm-hmm. And, you know, several years ago when United was, uh, before they moved downtown, uh, they were looking at where to move the headquarters. Um, you know, Denver was a potential contender for that. They've been growing rapidly in Denver, uh, in part because it's a fast-growing city and that's a, a fast-growing travel market. Uh, they are the largest, I believe they're the largest private employer now in Denver um, because, when you, you know, they, they have about the same level of operations in Denver now that they do at O'Hare, and that means, you know, you're going to have about 10,000 employees just doing operations. That's what sparked it. Interesting. We'll leave it there. Our thanks to John Pletz, who's an aviation reporter for Crane Chicago Business, and Joe Schriederman, director of DePaul University's Chaddock Institute for Metropolitan Development.